right with God here. <laughs> I invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of 1 John. 1 John. And if you think this is an easy book, you've, uh, <laughs> you've never studied this out in detail. This is an amazing book, and the more I study it, the more I realize, wow, it's not as easy to figure things out as, as it seems, although the Greek is kind of fun because that's an easier Greek, but the rest of it is, is really hard. The message is really hard um, at times, so um, I'm excited to begin this study. Um, how long are we going to be in this study? I don't know. I'm sure Steve is going to let me know if we're there too long. So, <laughs> yeah, until the rapture, huh? Yeah, amen. And uh, let me ask you a question here as we, we get through this. Have you ever mistaken a person for someone else? Oh, yeah. Have you been there and stuck your foot in your mouth? And, and um, you know, I was thinking about this. I was worried about the new Top Gun coming out because me and Tom Cruise are about the same height. And... Uh, <laughs> But I had never had anyone come up to me and say, hey, Tom, how are you? Uh, can I get your autograph? That just doesn't. But I was one time uh, over here in a clinic, and this, this guy, he sees me. And I forget the name. We'll just say Greg. He, he's, Greg, Greg! And he comes, like, running up to me, Greg, how you doing? And I'm like, Greg, I'm Jeremy. Wow, you look just like my friend Greg. I'm like, I didn't know there was another handsome, young, short Italian <laughs> walking around in Colorado Springs. But I mean, the look on his face when he came up to me, because he was so sure I was that guy. And, um, and I had to tell him, I'm sorry, I'm not that guy. That's not me. Um, and uh, he was like, wow, you look just like him. You just, just like him. He was just so amazed on how much I look. I've never had that ever happen before um, and probably never again. You know? And so, but that was the one time that somebody, I've done it. I've done it. The other day we were going up to our brother-in-law, Josh's house and outside one of our nieces. Notice our nieces and nephew, they, they look a lot like our kids. And uh, it's amazing how Katie and her sister, that shows you that they came from them and not us. But, um, you know, and they look, they look a lot alike. So Katie, my own wife, she, she looks at Alex, she goes, oh, there's Abigail. Abigail's in the car with us. <laughs> <laughs> but Kristen looks just like Abigail, was wearing the same sinful cardinal shirt that her grandfather gave her. And, and um, and so she thought it was she thought it was Africa. Uh, we have we have sometimes we mistake people for for who they are. Um, let me tell you a, a sad story. Some of you uh, know about Whitney and Laura. This was this happened. They were college students at Taylor University, in uh, Indiana, and um, and they were in a school van, and the school van was going down the highway. And a truck lost control and hit them and, and killed five people in the van right away. Um, and so the parents were notified and Whitney's parents were, were, were notified by a chaplain and by a pastor saying, your daughter was one of the five. Laura's parents 
were notified and said, run to the hospital right now. Your daughter is in the hospital. You're not going to recognize her. She's going to have all tubes, everything around her, but you're not going to recognize her. Her face is going to be swollen. She's not going to be able to speak, but go there. And so they went there and they're praying and it's a Christian university and, and they're praying to God. They're asking God to work and help their daughter, Laura, come out of the uh, coma that she was in. And, all, you know, Whitney's parents are planning a funeral. If you can imagine, 1,400 people came to the funeral um, and they're sitting there. And so when, when Laura starts, the swelling starts to go down and um, they notice that her eyes are bluer than they were before the accident. And they notice that her teeth were different. Like she couldn't talk. And so the mother, writing in her journal, begging God and saying, something's wrong, something's off. Uh, and, and Laura was calling herself Whitney. And, and she's praying to God, God, please don't let it be. Let it be my daughter. Please let it be my daughter. Well, you know how the story goes. Laura was not Laura. Laura was Whitney. And Whitney's parents were notified. And then um, can you imagine the joy on that side and the pain on the other side? What a terrible case of mistaken identity, which they thought one thing was happening and another thing happened. You know, what's even more tragic is the terrible case of mistaken identity when it comes to Jesus Christ. It, it, it's amazing when you ask people who Jesus is, the responses that you will get from different religions out there. A Mormon will tell you that Jesus was the half-brother of Satan and that he, he was born and, and, and the things that happened to Jesus, that the Father actually came down from heaven and was intimate with, with Mary and, and Jesus became a God and one day you will become a God. You read the Jehovah Witness Bible and they'll tell you that Jesus was a God. And they even put the word A in there. So a God. And they don't make him the God of the universe. You you talk to a Muslim and you say Jesus was, yeah, a good prophet, a good teacher, but really not the eternal God. You go down the list and people will say, even in their religion, church of Jesus Christ and miss who Jesus Christ is. Now, now, let me just tell you something about Jesus before we even get into the passage. It's amazing. And, and somebody brought this out in this excellent book called Who is Jesus? He said, did you know that Jesus never held an office? You think about that for a moment? Is Jesus a Republican or a Democrat? He, he never held an office. Yeah, independent, right? Wow. He never ruled a nation. Think about this. He, he never commanded an army. In fact, he, he preached for three years, and how did that go? That got him on the cross. So, so what's this fuss about this Jesus that, that everyone talks about? You know, who is he? And, and let me just give you some options here, because Christianity rises and falls on the person of Jesus Christ. Who, who is this Jesus? Well, we got some options. Uh, I, I, is he a liar? Um, someone who knew he wasn't who he really is and lied to people? Uh, how about this, a lunatic, somebody who thought he was something else and he wasn't really that person? I mean, he imagined it in his own mind. How about a legend? 
Somebody who others thought, this is what people say about Jesus. Yeah, other people wrote about Jesus who believed in Jesus. He's just a legend. He's something, he's a story out there. He's something that, he's a fairy tale. He's a, he's a legend out there. They thought he was something good, but he really isn't something good. How about this? How about Lord? How about that option? Right? And we're gonna, we're gonna look at this because people in John's day were saying Jesus really didn't come. He wasn't there. He, he didn't. He didn't come. He's just a, a legend. He's he's something that. Or if he did come, he didn't come physically. He came spiritually. He wasn't the real Jesus. So here's here's what he does here. Let's watch this. What what the Bible calls him. First John one one says this. It says what was from the beginning and what was heard, and what was seen with our eyes and what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the what. Who is Jesus? Are you ready for this? He is the word of life. Yes. Now, now, here's what's interesting about this phrase. This is a, this is a unique phrase uh, talking about Jesus Christ. The word, the logos, is God's message. It's, it's how he communicates to us. When we say words to somebody, we are communicating to them our feelings and how we feel and, and what we think and our attitudes. So, so the Lord Jesus is God's communication to us of how he feels and, and what he thinks and his attitudes and who he is. And, and, and the Lord, look at this, he's the word of life. It's, it's referring to both Jesus and the very message about Jesus. Because Jesus is not just a message to us from God. He is the very one who can give life to us. You say, where is that? And notice this here, the word of life. Jesus says, and John it talks about him, says, in him was life. This is not just everyday life. This is spiritual, eternal life. He's the, he's the giver of life. Watch what he says later on. He says, I am the resurrection and the what? The life. And then he says here in, in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the what? The life. In him was life. So he is the message of life. He is, he is the one that can give true spiritual life. He's the only one. And the message about Jesus is the word of life because when somebody accepts the message about Jesus, it gives us life. Now, now watch what he says about the word of life and who this word of life is. Notice in verse 1. So it's both the message and the messenger. It has a double meaning there. It's a, the message about Jesus and it is the messenger, Jesus himself. And in verse 1 he says this. That which was from the beginning. And here's what's great. He's talking about the message of Jesus Christ here. And how the, how the message of Jesus Christ does, never changes. Here's what I love about the message of Jesus Christ. I don't have to make up the mess. I don't have to change the mess. The message is the same. The same message that they preached about Jesus, the disciples, we preached 2,000 years later. Isn't that amazing? Think about that. It's the same message. Methods may be different, but the message is the same. When somebody changes the message, they've missed the message. He's saying right here, it was that from the beginning, it's stable. The message is stable. The word of life, the message of life does not change. It's the same gospel from the very beginning and the same gospel to the very end. Watch this. What we have heard, it's ringing in our ears. 
You ever have anyone say something to you and it just rings in your ears later on in life? My grandfather used to have these little phrases that he would say and it would ring in your ears. I, I was an unsaved kid and I was thinking about doing something. He goes, Jeremy, money comes and goes, but your conscience lasts forever. Yes. Boy, that rings in my ears. I can't get it out of it. And I think about that. And he's saying this, the message that we heard is ringing in our ears. We, we still are hearing it. We, 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 we heard about what Jesus has done. We heard about it, and, we, and it's still ringing in our ears. We've, we've seen it with our own eyes. We've seen the messenger. We, we, we saw him, his face. We can still see his face. This is years after he died. We can still hear his message in our ears. We can still see his face in our eyes. In fact, not only that, what we have looked at, we've observed him. We watched him for three years. We looked at his miracles. We watched how he reacted. We watched the te we watched what he did. And we watched him. We observed him. We didn't just look at him with our eyes. We observed him and we touched him. There's no way that he is a ghost because we touched him. Can you imagine John the disciple had his head on the bosom of Jesus? Can you imagine how uh, doubting Thomas will call him? How Thomas can actually touch Jesus? We touched him, he says. And so what he's saying here in this, in this very verse is the message does not change about Jesus. We, we've heard him. It's ringing in our ear. We've seen him with our eyes. We've looked at him and observed him. We, we touched him. Here's, here's what he's saying here. He's saying this. Jesus is no myth. Jesus is no fairy tale. Jesus is no fable, no ghost, no illusion. Jesus is real. And see, people are saying all kinds of things about Jesus now. Jesus is real. You say, Jeremy, why are you trying to come? I believe that you, I hope you do believe that Jesus is real. Yes. Because if he's not, what are we doing? But he's saying he's no myth, he's no fairy tale, he's no fable, he's no ghost, he's no illusion. He is real. And, and, and you say, what do we, what should we do? And look at this in verse two. He says, he was manifested. I love this. He was seen. Now, if I'm God, Here's the question that I have to ask. If you were God, how would you go about revealing yourself to mankind? How, how would you let man know who you are and how you feel about them? What would you do? Well, here's different things that we could look at to see God and, and who he is. God reveals himself in creation. Don't, don't miss it. When we look at the mountains, how can you say there is no God? That's amazing. Watch this. God reveals himself in his word, in the Bible. The more we study the Bible, the more we see Jesus and who he is and, 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 and God the Father. We see, we understand. The more we know the Bible, the more he reveals about him. That's why it's wonderful to study the Bible and read the Bible. The more we read the Bible, the more we understand God. But here's what's amazing. God reveals himself in his son, Jesus Christ. If you really want to know what God looks like and how God acts and who he is, look at Jesus. In fact, the disciples didn't even get it. They're like, just show us the Father. He goes, show you the Father. He who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus, God reveals himself in his son, Jesus Christ. Here's what's amazing about Jesus. Are you ready for this? Somebody wrote this. This was great. Jesus is the only man who has a heavenly father and no heavenly mother. Look at this. He has an earthly mother and no earthly father who is older than his mother 
but is the same age as his father. Do I need to repeat that tongue twister to you? (laughs) Who else do you know in this world that has a heavenly father but no heavenly mother? Who, who, Who has an earthly mother but no earthly father? Who's older than the mother but who is the same age as the father? You know what that tells you? Jesus is fully man and fully God. And he shows us who the father is. He, God reveals himself in his son, Jesus Christ. You say, Jeremy, what should my response be to God's revelation of himself? And now I, I don't want us to miss this because this is what it's all about. He says, he says here in this passage, he goes, look, what was from the beginning, what we heard, what we've seen, what we looked at, what we touched with our own eyes concerning the word of life. This life was manifested. People could see it. They could actually see it with their own eyes. Here's what we do to this. Notice this in verse two. The life was manifested. We have seen. And what do we do? We testify and we do what? We proclaim this. Now, here's what's amazing. I am amazed on how quick people are to spread bad news. You hear about the shooting this week? I did the day it happened. I I got a text message right away. A shooting in Iowa. During a youth group. In a church where the guy goes in and kills his ex-girlfriend, her twin sister, and then himself. Bad news spreads so quick. People, Some people, they like to spread it really quick. They hear it and they spread it all around. Oh, do you hear about this? Do you hear about that? Do you hear about this? All bad news. Could you imagine how the world would be if we were so quick spreading the good news? We like to share the bad news. And we share it really quick and we depress people with it. We have good news to share. And what he says is we've experienced Jesus Christ. We, we were there. We heard him, his ring. We could still see his face. We touched him. He touched us. He changed our life. And we're here to proclaim it. Now, here's the thing. Some people, they, they put guilt on others. You need to proclaim Jesus. You need to proclaim Jesus. And they, they put all kinds of guilt on people. And, and that's not what it's about. But he is going to give us two reasons right here in the text of why we should proclaim this eternal life. And I love him. Look at this. Why should we proclaim it right here? So that others can experience, notice this, true fellowship. Verse 3. And what we have seen and heard, we, and here's the verb, finally, Bob's happy, proclaim to you. Why do we do it? So that you too may have what? Fellowship. Now don't miss this word. Because when we think of fellowship, we think of donuts. Amen? (laughs) Anybody else think of donuts when you hear the word fellowship? I do. I love donuts. Actually, it's National Donut Day this last week. God loves donuts, by the way. (laughs) He loves donuts. But we, we, we tend to make it fellowship about donuts and time together and a coffee. And we just have good fellowship together. And we're sitting there and we're chomping and we are bigger when we leave. And, but anyway, but it's not because of that. We just, we just say, Oh, yeah, I had great fellowship with so and so. We had donut time together and we just talked about things. Talked about what? I mean, interesting, this word fellowship. You ready for this? This word fellowship, koinonia, 
speaks of sharing something in common, watch this, that is significant and important. I got a, I got a text yesterday, not an email, a text message from Messenger. How about those rangers? Can you believe, I'm so-and-so from Falcon Baptist Church. Remember you, you know, we know that you're a Ranger fan. And me and my dad were Ranger fans. And how about those Rangers? And all God's people said, not one amen. Amen! You want me to tell you something? Ooh, oh, wow. Let me tell you something. The Rangers are insignificant. And they're not important. No, they're not. They'll be champs, but they're not important. <laughs> but some, well, we have things in common with people that are just not important. And we think we're having fellowship with them. This is not fellowship. In fact, the word koinonia spoke of a, of a, back then of a marriage commitment when you would come together and share things together. Think about what we share when we get married. We share the same last name. We share kids. We share homes. We share finances. We share everything. We share it, both of us together. And here's what it says here. It's, it's, it's something that is significant and important. It entails the joy and, and oneness in a group of people who are in accord regarding something that really matters. Donuts, I'm sorry, don't matter. All right, they're good. They're great. Praise God for them. But it doesn't matter. Fellowship matters. And really what he's saying is you share common values, common beliefs, common goals, and you love the same things and pursue a common agenda. Here's what happens. The moment we preach Christ and someone accepts Christ, all of a sudden, I don't care what ethnic group, I don't care what, what economic group they're in, the moment they accept Christ, now we have a spiritual connection together because we have the same Savior. Yes. This is what he says here. I'm, I want to proclaim this. Here's why. So that you have fellowship with who? With, with us. With us. It's, it's amazing when we go down to Argentina and we stay in some of their homes. And I mean, they have nothing. So nothing. These storage units have more stuff in them than these people have in their homes. And, and we're, we're sitting in their homes. And I mean, some of them are cold. One of them didn't even have lights. We had candles on. You know, cold, no lights. All there, and we're sitting there, and they're different economic group, they're different nationality, and we're sitting there, and we're having amazing fellowship. Why? Because we have the same Jesus Christ yes. and the same salvation. Yes. He says, I "Proclaim this with proclaim this, because the moment you proclaim this and they accept it, here's why we're doing it: so that you will have fellowship, but you will have this spiritual union with us, and we will have the same goals, spiritual goals, because we are in Christ. But here's what's amazing." We don't just do it so they can join us. We do it so that they can have a spiritual union with God the Father. Look at this. And our fellowship is also with who? With the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. It's a package deal. They get both the Father and the Son. 
And, and here's what he's saying. When we preach Jesus, when we talk to others about Jesus, when we understand who Jesus is and we, we allow him to touch our lives and we proclaim Christ, the moment someone gets saved, they have a spiritual union with God the Father and God the Son. And you know what that means? That means that we start to love the things that God loves. And we start to live for the things that God wants us to live for. And the things that matter to God start to matter to us. This, this is the answer. Let me just tell you what it is. It's the answer to why we exist on this earth. We exist so that we can have spiritual communion with God that was broken because of sin. And we exist so that we can have spiritual communion with one another. Notice that God doesn't give us option to have one or the other. They go together, by the way. Nobody says, all right, yeah, just have spiritual union with God. Who cares about the people? No, no. He doesn't say this either. Just have spiritual union with the people. Who cares about God? No. We, it's a pack. we have it together. We, we're in this together. And so he's saying this. We preach so that people can have a spiritual union with us. We want them to be part of God's family. And we want them to have a relationship with God. Is that your heartbeat? Think about that for a moment. Somebody said, you can't be touched by Jesus without having this heartbeat. The moment we are touched by Jesus, we want everyone to be touched by Jesus. Yes. We want them to be part of the family of God. We want them to have a, a relationship with God and understand what that is. Because here it is. Notice this, the second reason here. He said, so that others can experience what? True joy. Let me just tell you, we live in a miserable world with miserable people. You know why? Because they're looking for joy in all the wrong places. And they come to the bottom of the bottle and there's no joy there. And they wake up the next morning after a one night stand and there's no joy there. And they live for money, but when the paycheck is spent, there's no joy there. And so they're miserable people because they really have no purpose in life. And he says, we preach this because we want people to experience the joy and we want this joy to be complete. We want full joy. Now, let me just tell you this. This joy is not a feeling. It's not the same joy when the Rangers score that goal and we're all excited they're going to win the game. That's joy, by the way. But that's not the joy he's talking about here. This is a joy knowing that you are right with God. That doesn't depend on any circumstance. This is a joy that a lady in Brooklyn I once met who lost her husband and then told me she had cancer and she may not make it and then right after that, she said to me, but God is good. I looked at her. How could she say God is good? She lost her husband. She's going to get... Because her joy had nothing to do with her circumstances. Her joy had to do with her relationship with Jesus Christ. He's saying, I want you to have joy. And the joy to be made complete. And so that's why we proclaim Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with the things here. And let me tell you where joy comes from. 
Joy, you say, why do the Christians don't have a lot of joy? You ever notice why, why they just joy sometimes? You say, what, what's wrong with their joy? Well, I'll tell you, two things happen. One, their fellowship with one another is lacking. Because joy comes from our union with one another. And you know what else is lacking? Their fellowship with God, their communion with God is lacking. So guess what they're losing? They're losing their joy. He says, we proclaim this so that you can have fellowship with us, fellowship with him, and that you can have a joy. We can have a joy made what? Complete, a fullness of joy because of relationship with Jesus Christ. So here's the question today. How does your encounter with Jesus fuel your passion to share him? Have you heard the message? You have should be ringing in your ears. Have you experienced Jesus? That's wonderful. But if he has touched you, we should be wanting to touch others. And we have a message that is good news. And we have a message about a real Jesus who came to a real place, who died on a real cross, who was really buried, who really rose again who really is in heaven now, who really is coming back, who really will reign on this earth. See, people like to hear about a Jesus and all, but he is real. And so the question is, is he real to you? Have you put your faith and trust in him alone? Well, if you have, proclaim him. Share him. In the moment they, they accept them, now we have a spiritual union with them and they have a spiritual union with God. What a wonderful way to start a book. Let's, let's bow in prayer. Father, we, we think of the, the movies that are out and the, the things that people look for, like heaven is for real and different things and they're interested in those things but it all starts with your son Jesus Christ he is real he's not some liar or lunatic or some legend he is Lord and one day everyone will bow down before him so God I pray that before that happens that we would bow down before him here on this earth and that the message that we have heard, the same message that does not change over the years, what we have seen and observed and touched, what has come into our own lives and changed us, the very word of life, I pray that that's the message that we testify to and proclaim. So that, Lord, that those around us no matter how nice they may be and how many things they have in common with us, until they have Jesus, they have nothing really in common with us. They do not have that true spiritual union with us. And so God, help us to realize that and to proclaim the message. And then, Lord, to realize that they don't have true communion with you and a spiritual connection with you. No matter how nice they are or how friendly they are, they need you. So Lord, I pray that you would use us as instruments 
And that, Father, we would realize also that they'll never have joy. They'll never experience the true joy that there is of knowing that we are in a right relationship with you. And while there may be some feelings, it's not about feelings. It's about knowing that no matter what happens to us, we're okay with you. So, Lord, help us, we pray. No matter what the circumstances may be, no matter what the things may be, there's nobody that can take away that joy because we have Jesus. We praise you. We thank you so much for your word, and we look forward to what we're going to learn in 1 John. Continue to open up our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.